never want to be quick to match energy. You never match energy, especially when it's not proper energy that you should be receiving. Mm. Like, if somebody's trying to argue with you, you don't start arguing back. You apply this principle. Be slow to speak, but quick to listen. Mm-hmm. And be slow to anger. Slow to become angry. So if somebody's being aggressive towards you verbally and responding with emotion, if you don't respond that way, it automatically throws them off center. So, yeah. Very well said, Dave. Very well said. Good morning, everyone. This is The Truth of the Matter is episode number 15. I'm yours, Daniel, and I'm here with my brother, Jonathan. How you feeling today, man? Football season is back, Daniel. You know, what a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, it truly is. Being a big Giants fan, I'm very excited to see how they're going to do the season. But more importantly, us being from New York, we're hoping that New York teams can get their act together this year and give us a reason to cheer. I see your point. Well said. Well said, man. You know, obviously this week for us, we are going to be playing, you know, our old quarterback, Sam Darnold. The one we traded, the one we treated terribly. Not too excited about that. You know, I wish that we had put better talent around him. But anytime you're in a rebuild, you know, they have to make some sacrifices. And unfortunately, that's what it is in this business. So we got a new quarterback in there, Zach Wilson and from BYU. And I'm hoping that he's the answer, right? That's what they say. We're looking for an answer. Someone that is the long-term success within the franchise for the next 10 years. So I'm hoping that he answers the call we are respectable and potential playoff hopefuls and i hope it's not too mad too much to ask if we go to the super bowl you know you sound like a front-end manager right now yeah i know doesn't sound realistic but i'm a fan do you you work for the team no no are you sure no i wish i did You sound like uh, you have some reserved feelings about all this. You, you want to get it off your chest? You can no. lie down on the couch real quick and no, talk no. this one out? No. I think I settled all of that a couple months ago when we did the, we did them dirty. You know, got that all out there at the time. Okay. Well, I don't know if you're really speaking of the truth. Wait, wait, about wait. About how wait, you wait, honestly wait, feel wait, about. Wait, before we get into that, what about your team, the Giants? You ain't talking too much us? about that offensive line. We got Saquon back. I don't. We don't care about the offensive line. But you got to <laughs> be able to run behind a clean offensive line. You know, besides the Patriots, you know, game, this is the second year that they're together. So, you know, I'm sure the protections and everything else are going to be called out a lot more clean. Everybody should be on the same accord. Um. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk <laughs> about the truth. 
because <laughs> you know honestly it sounds like it sounds like you're hitting me with the first stage of the truth which is ridicule yep <laughs> and then i'm gonna violently oppose that which is the second stage usually of the truth and the third is accepting as it being self-evident that the officer lie does suck. But <laughs> truth <laughs> burns, doesn't it? This is every. <laughs> I don't understand. Man. This is every year. We spend so much money everywhere else besides where it needs to be spent. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about that? Is that being the three stages of truth? Ridicule being the first. The second one being violently opposed, and the third stage being self-evident. Well, right about them giants, but outside of that, when we're just looking at truth in general, you know, I'm gonna have to tend to agree with you on that. You know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I believe it to be true. I think truth is confrontational. For those who obviously don't know what confrontation means, basically, it's to deal with situations in aggressive ways that end up being hostile or argumentative. You know, usually when you step to someone and oppose them to their face publicly or privately, like Paul does in Peter in the book of Galatians, expect some pushback for sure. You know, people will not go silently in the dark, you know, into the night. They're always going to have pushback. Why? Because they don't, they don't like the situation where they're being put on the spot, right? It makes them feel uncomfortable. It makes them feel weak. It makes them feel... It sort of has them look at themselves in the mirror as a reflection. And sometimes they don't like what they see. Honestly, that's just what I believe to be true. But remember this, man. Everyone can't take or receive constructive criticism. They can't do it. Can't do it well either. It takes a while for some people to come to a place where they can accept the things that are said to them. You know, obviously, you will basically see how mature a person really is. And if their maturity reaches that level where they can accept those things. You see, right away, if someone is trying to defend themselves when there's no need to defend themselves, when someone is having a rebuttal right away when there's no need to do that, then you sort of know the type of maturity that person wills and how they're applying it, right? The reality is you have to relax. You have to chill. You have to calm down. Right, It shows that you've been here, you've done that, you are expecting a certain behavior. When you start paying attention to people's behavior, you can anticipate what the reaction is going to be based upon, you know, social environment, you know, how they manage to hold themselves together in those sort of instances, right? The first thing that I think about Right. And this is us applying the Bible to real life situations. I, I think about the book of James and he puts it this way. And before I quote it, I want to say that I love this verse because it's a multifaceted explanation to so many things. Right. He says everyone, not just one person, but anyone or everyone that is within a context that engages dialogue. He says you should. He's making the suggestion here. Be quick to listen. Now, when we sit back and we think about that, right there is the key point. Listening. You can't do that when you're talking. You can't do that when you're cutting a person off. You can't do that when you're trying to comprehend or understand what's being said to you. That can also be the way 
in which you know if a person is going to respond appropriately. Second, slow to speak. Because you need to process what you just heard, there's no need to be in attack mode. Just receive it and hear an important statement. Slow to become angry. Don't react, but respond. Reaction off of a first impulse is dangerous because you haven't had time to think it through. When you read scripture, you should sit with the verse, see what it's trying to tell you, and you'll be surprised how much you'll learn upon reflecting. So remember, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because anger does not produce the righteousness that God our Father desires. So right then and there, that's how you can apply a scripture. It's how you read it, it's how you understand it, and it's about trying to apply it. And the hard part is applying it, right? The hard part is applying it. And sometimes what happens is when we don't remind ourselves of it, we instantly, when tested in that situation, in that predicament, we don't respond appropriately. And therefore, we are failing. We're failing the test. We're failing to do what is the appropriate response. And to me, that's the whole point of running into these sort of scenarios is that you have to get to a point where this is the response that you have every time you get into that. So, yeah, that's what I think. Any thoughts? Well said. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. I'm always very quick to listen and slow to respond. And what I've come to learn from applying this principle in my own life is remember the old saying, Back in the day, yeah. all the folks always say, they don't know how to take you. <laughs> what was the phrase about being in the kitchen and if it's too hot, stay out the kitchen? Kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you apply this principle, or this scripture, I should say, I look at it as a principle for myself. Because trying to react quickly or being first to react is never a good thing. Uh-huh. I try to explain that to Anybody who asks me for advice, so to speak, um, you just realize that a lot of people can't, they aren't used to dealing with somebody who processes things or process things well, or don't just immediately react. And you notice also with your interactions with people that people are so conditioned to reacting once they're, once something is said to them that when you don't do it, it throws them off center. Yeah, I agree so. with that. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Because they're not anticipating the way that you are responding to them. And if you're responding to them in such a way that's unfamiliar to them, it throws them completely off balance. Mm-hmm. It's funny because me and um, our younger brother was just having a conversation last night. Okay. And one thing I was telling him was, you never want to be quick to match energy you never match energy especially when it's not proper energy that you should be receiving hmm. like if somebody's trying to argue with you you don't start arguing back you apply this principle be slow to speak but quick to listen uh-huh. and be slow to anger slow to become angry so if somebody's being aggressive towards you verbally and responding with emotion 
if you don't respond that way, it automatically throws them off center. So, yeah, well, you well said. Just thought that was a. Thank you, thank you. So, what are we going to be talking about today? Is it still the Gospel of Luke? Yes, we are going to be talking about the Gospel of Luke today, and today we're going to be in a little bit more of a discussion about the topic. Now, you know, usually I'm quoting and I'm I'm using verses and I'm cross-referencing. Make no mistake, I still plan to do that. You know, and I do that to protect myself and the listener because this podcast is about biblical and godly truth. It starts and ends there. We're going to bring up several real-life scenarios, and we will show how they are in lockstep with the scripture once we break it down. Again, before we start prayer, one more point I want to make about this. Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah, we're going to do prayer. prayer. Yes, that's important. Yes, before we (laughs) dig into it, we have to do prayer. Yes, yes, prayer, 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 prayer. I got you, I got you. One other point I want to say is the reason why I use scriptures and I relate back to the scripture is because that's the final authority for someone like me. See, what I don't want to get into the habit of is exegesis in the text. And that's taking the scripture out of its context and trying to give you a perspective that might not be able to hit home for a lot of people. But what I do is I constantly reference the scripture with hope that a person can listen to what I'm saying and go and check it out for themselves. I'm not perfect, even though I do study myself approve and I do the best that I can to give a practical response that's related to scripture so that they can see and then i obviously have you here who does a phenomenal job reading the text clearly and not making very much any mistakes so that people can see that this is where we're talking from and we're applying our personal experience to it but it always starts with the scripture and i feel like after reading the bible for such a long time right in my perspective is that I believe that at the end of the day, you're going to find yourself in a scenario that the Bible has already illustrated. Let me say that one more time. You're going to enter a situation that the Bible has already mapped out and illustrated. Some way, somehow, might not be a perfect analogy, but enough so that you can see how one of the individuals in the story has applied the principles and therefore you have a step up on how you can respond appropriately. And we're going to get through something and you're going to see how relatable it is to you. So that's what I wanted to say. So we're going to get into what I want to say. Sure. What's up? We should have gotten into some prayer. All right. All right. Prayer. Prayer. Bow your head. I got you. Bow your head. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we glorify your name because we know your name is above all names. Glory to your name because you have given each and every one life just a breath of fresh air. Glory to your name because you have died for each and every one of us so that we can be free and live in a life full of abundance. Glory to your name because you have given us free invitation to come and talk to you anytime, any day, any week. We thank you and give you all the glory and the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, no, amen this time. Ah. Switched it up. Ah, Because we finally got into some prayer. Okay. 
Let's get started. We are reading out of the book of Luke today, chapter 4, verse 38 through 44. Daniel, take it away. Jesus got up and left the synagogue and went to Simon Peter's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to help her. Standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she got up and began serving him as her guest. While the sun was setting, marking the end of the Sabbath day, all those who had any were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus and laying his hands on each one of them. He was healing them, exhibiting his authority as the Messiah. Demons also were coming out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. When daybreak came, Jesus left Simon Peter's house and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him. And they came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because I was sent for this purpose. So he continued preaching in the synagogues of Judea, the country of the Jews, including Galilee. All right, nice job, Daniel. Before we break down this portion of scripture, I want us to have a little bit of a chat. So you're welcome to jump in anytime. And it has come to my belief that the job of a parent or parent, single or if they're together, is to prepare their child or children for the real world. Now, Daniel, do you remember the process of growing and development? We learned about several things. Now, here are just a few to just mention. When we were learning about our ABCs, our parents were with us every step of the way during this process, along with our teachers. I remember that at some point you used to struggle with writing your B's and D's backwards. However, eventually you got it. I remember when it came down to washing clothes, right? Our parents told us that there were three categories. Wait, I struggled with the B's and the D's? Yes, you did. Me? <laughs> yes, you did. Are you sure about that? Yeah, I'm 100% sure. Don't, don't <laughs> okay. act new. Don't we act new. <laughs> you did it. Yes, you did. Yes, no, you did. Let's... You should have stayed silent over there. <laughs> no, I'm not going to let you put that on this podcast like that. <laughs> Instead of saying bad, you was like, you was out the what you... <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> Let's not do this because I believe in being respectful on the podcast. Yes, <laughs> I just did. I'll take the blame. It was me. Yeah, it was you. Don't okay? need to be It shy. was me. Listen, we it all made me. our mistakes, all right? It's okay. Listen, I... <laughs> <laughs> I said that so smooth. It was like you called yeah, on like 30 like, seconds later. Me? Me? <laughs> <laughs> It just came to mind. I was like, yeah, you used to struggle with the B's and D's. <sighs> yeah, so back to what I was saying, right? When it comes to washing clothes, right? Our parents taught us the three categories, like right? Colors, motifs, whites. And if you mix them up at any time, basically you might have ruined your clothes, right? We learned about how proper detergent mattered, and it still does to this day, right? When it comes to cleaning the kitchen, the stove, the countertop. Oh God, here it goes. The table, 
right? It gets dealt with first. Obviously, there are different ways that exist out there. So pay me no mind if you don't agree. But when I was washing the dishes, right, I learned to wash the pots. I learned the importance of washing the inside and outside the cup. And, you know, we don't have no dishwasher. Nope. Everything was done old school, right? So for me, it was all about that detergent, a rag, not a sponge. Let me repeat that. A rag and not a sponge because, you know, you, you don't wash the sponge out. All that, all that stuff in that sponge, it's, it sits in, you know, mucus and it's soap and it's, ugh. So we use a rag, not a sponge, to get the work done. And, of course, you know, my handy-dandy Brillo pads, right? The Brillo pads at the store. Man, you clean them pots on the outside. And that comet, you can get that stuff out. So a lot of people don't know that stuff. So I'm putting your own game out there. If you want to, you had an epiphany after hearing what I said, and you, you want to learn how to clean your dishes thoroughly this is just something are you owning, are you, are you are you opening a cleaning service is that what we're doing oh no 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 Damn. we have to put people on game right remember the truth of the matter is washing pots and and, and washing your dishes properly not always using a dish drainer right it assures he's, you. he's quite passionate about his cleaning so uh, <laughs> how does this apply to the bible okay <laughs> get back I'm, on track i'm gonna get it <laughs> I'm going to get there. No, we're going to get there now. I promise you. How about we get back on track? Now, I mentioned about washing dishes. Interesting enough, ironically enough, Jesus makes a reference to cleaning dishes in chapter 11. Really? Yes, he does. He sure does. I don't believe you. In the book of Luke, chapter 11, he talks about washing dishes. You know what he says? He says, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish. See that? But inside are full of greed and wickedness. Now, that's some deep stuff there, which we will cover more in great detail in the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to have his own episode for that. So, yes, Jesus was referencing dishes at the time. See how relatable this stuff is? If You just give it a chance. <laughs> right? And it, to explain uh, uh, Let it, me ask you a question before you go on. How okay. hard did you have to search for that? I didn't have to search anything. I was appalled. I was surprised when I came across it in the in the Gospels. I was like, wow, dishes? Cleaning the inside and outside of a cup? What a phenomenal analogy. You know, Jesus had us in mind, right? But I'm pretty sure now with the dish drainer invention, he's probably like, ah, analogy doesn't work near. But I was I was I was surprised when I found it. Are you surprised now that I mentioned it? How you feel after hearing about it? I feel like we should move on before I say so. Okay. <laughs> now, obviously, this analogy is explained more in Matthew than Luke. But for the discussion, Jesus is using the cup as an analogy, telling us the importance of cleaning the outside of the cup as well as the inside, relating the cup to ourselves. Now, keep in mind, people only can see the outward portion of you. But what about the inside of you? You know, you have to wonder, are you okay? Are you managing? Or are you going crazy and flipping out? Again, very powerful analogy. Now, to take it a step further, he says in Matthew 6, 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is not darkness, the question is, 
how great is that dark? Now, this mm. is some really deep stuff, man. It's about your perception, your understanding from your eyes and how you see and perceive things, the lens you view life through, right? Yeah. Moving along. Now, going back with the explanation of cleaning, right? Are, are we really doing Yes. That? Yes, I am. Next, I will finish up with mopping the floor using pine, bleach, limonia, fabulosa to make things smell good. You know, all that good stuff. Parents would sometimes put the water on the stove a little bit so that the water would boil. And you knew for sure when that water hit that floor, it was clean. It was clean thoroughly, right? Our parents taught us how to write letters, how to put stamps on the, on the letter, where to put your name, your address, how to write a check, how to pump gas, how to pay your bills. We learned all a little something from our parents in the development stage to prepare us for real life. And more importantly, so that we could stand on our own two feet. The purpose of all this, right? is to give us people skills, to give us individual skills so that we can stand on our own two feet. So all that I mentioned in the past five minutes has a point. And that is when you look at what Jesus did, he played the role of a parent here by holding the disciples' hands, do things up to a certain point, right? So he held their hands to a certain point. He also was a blessing to the people who need it. But guess what? It came to a point where he wants them to stand on their own two feet and forge their own path, their own way, right? After receiving a blessing. And he has the opportunity to show them the ropes, to take themselves to a place where hopefully at the end, you know, they will be able to do things on their own. Now, this is what I want us to look at. Let's take a look at those examples I provide. Let's look at verse 42 and 43. When daybreak came, Jesus left Simon Peter's house and went to a secluded place. And the crowds went searching for him. And they came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God to other cities also, because I was sent. For this purpose. To remember the role of your parents isn't to be with you forever. They can't hold your hand forever. Right? Now you have to manage on your own. In the scriptures, the case was that the people weren't trying to let Jesus' hand go. They didn't want to let him go. They wanted to keep him for themselves. He healed them and set them free of their illnesses, which is a form of bondage and restriction. But guess what? Jesus had other people to see. He couldn't stay anymore. The message here is as you become an adult, your parents can't do your laundry anymore. They can't give you baths anymore. They can't comfort you anymore. They can't baby you any longer. You are expected to take those things you learn and to put them in practice and action. Right? Now, that's not always the case, but... What do you mean? Can you explain? There's a lot of man ch uh, children out there and man women or women children out there where they're still enjoying the the safety and comforts of their parents. All the way up to, you know, 40s, 50s sometimes. A lot of people don't always tend to leave the nest. 
if you will. Mm-hmm. But what does that have to do with the expectation of you coming out of that mentality? Because that's what I'm speaking to. I'm saying eventually you have to get to a point in life when you can't do that anymore. Why? Because as you get older, the things that you're taught when you're younger, you're expected to exercise those things outside of the home and the base that you started at. Right? I agree. But some people don't want to leave that. Yeah, but what the thing about the truth of the matter is on this podcast is what we want to do is we want to encourage people to look at a text like this and realize that Jesus couldn't stay there anymore. He showed them two things. He healed someone. And then eventually he has to move up and see other people. His time on this earth was not very long. So I actually want to tie this into a verse. And I hear what you have to say about that. But here's what I want to say, right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, he says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. So the question mm. you have to ask yourselves is, are you able to stand on your own two feet with everything that you were taught? I'm talking about good habits, life learning habits now. Can you be a force of truth by yourself spiritually? Have you studied yourself approved? I say this because I want people to know that God doesn't always speak. He gave you his word which is the word, the Bible, right? And you're supposed to study it, know it, and apply it so that you can be a force for the kingdom. The issue that you see in the text was that they were trying to keep Jesus there so that they can do more of what he was able to do, so that he can do more of what he was able to do and has already done. When you need to keep, what you need, what you need to keep in mind is that Jesus was the way the truth, and the life. And guess what? He still is the way, the truth, and the life. And he came to show us the way. And now it's up to us to lead by example with what was provided for us. We were given information, right? An example, more importantly, in First John, it says, I am writing a new command to you, which is true. And realize in Christ and in you, because the darkness of moral blindness is clearing away. And the true light, the revelation of God in Christ, is already shining. Therefore, as ambassadors for Christ, you are the true light, shining for everyone to see, right? It says in the Gospels that he says, who puts the light on top of the hill so that it cannot be seen? So here is a portion of scripture, right, that Jesus is providing an example for more information. and. In fact, more important information given in us a teaching moment here. So, again, what I'm trying to say here is that eventually you have to be able to stand on your own two feet. You can't expect God to deliver you from something. And then all of a sudden, you don't have a purpose after that. Sometimes, of which, say that again. If I could just interject real quick. Sure. I thought the most impressive thing about God in this and Jesus in this uh passage or not just the scripture but just the entire breakdown that you've done is that 
Jesus understood his purpose. Mm-hmm. He didn't stay in one spot. You never see him stagnant. He's always constantly moving towards the next objective, the next goal. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And after he performs a miracle or does some type of work for somebody, he's on to the next thing. And I feel like a lot of us don't move like that, where we stay stagnant in one spot. We don't, we do something and then we want to, a lot of people, especially receiving that type of praise and love and affection and appreciation and gratefulness, they will want to bathe in that, you know? They wouldn't want to go to another city where nobody knows you or you're potentially hated or people think you're, like, not capable of doing any more miracles or they're looking at you and seeing, well, let's see what this guy is about. A lot of people wouldn't be ready to move in that direction. Uh-huh. So, I thought that was very impressive. Yeah, I, I think you made a astonishing point right there. I, I completely agree with you. And I think, yeah, I think without question, that's a good point. And when I made the statement that God is no longer speaking to us in that way, I'm saying that there was a period of time where it was necessary for those miracles. It was necessary for uh, God to be speaking audibly. But then he's gotten quiet. And his way of communication has changed, right? Because in the book, the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, it tells you that in the beginning that he's changed, that he's operated differently, that he's spoken, his shift from speaking through the apostles, but at that time, the prophets to the apostles to Jesus Christ. It changed. His method has updated. It went from one element to the next element, one transition to the next transition. And I feel like that is God's way of trying to show us that he works in mysterious ways, right? And because he works in mysterious ways, it's hard to catch an understanding or an approach about how and why he's going about it that way. The only thing that we can take out of that is that God is hard to figure out, right? And him being hard to figure out is a good thing because that means that you're not going to catch him the same way and accomplishing and doing something, right? And I just want to take you, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets and at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who he appointed heir of all things through whom also, he has made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact reputation of his being, sustaining all things by his power word after he had provided purification for sins. So that's the beautiful thing about God is that his method is changing. And if his method is changing, we are to be alert. The only thing that he isn't changing is his word, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that's one thing that we can count on. This public revelation, the scriptures, right? The holy word of God. This is what we can count on and believe and look for direction in. So here's a portion of the scripture where Jesus is providing an example for more. Importantly, he's given us a teaching moment. Now listen carefully. 
So then would you mind reading the book of Matthew chapter 17, reading verses 14 through 20. A man opposed Jesus and knelt and kneeled before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I bore him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and prevent generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Great job, Daniel. So here you see Jesus, right? And he's came to show us the ropes in this text. And what you take out of it is he's showing how to move in faith. Right? Obviously, there's an issue where there's a lack of faith there. Right? And let's be clear, right? In Romans, Paul lets us know that God accepts all those who have faith, right? And he uses the analogy that some people eat vegetables, some people eat meat. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much or how little you eat. God accepts all those who exercise faith. The thing here is about having enough faith, right? The analogy here that points out is he wants you to have faith that is the size of a mustard seed. Now, a mustard seed is very small. It's one of the smallest seeds that exists. So all you need is a little bit of faith, a little bit, right? Remember, Jesus' ministry only lasted three to three and a half years. Within that time, you had to understand, he had to demonstrate to us how to live, how to move in faith how to move with a purpose, right? No easy task. So just like our parents, back to analogies that I gave earlier, they have taught us the way to do certain things. Jesus was doing the same thing. Having faith isn't easy, but Jesus is showing us that with faith, anything is possible. Again, with faith, anything is possible, right? Jesus was walking us through a tutorial on how powerful faith can be when you believe. Now, Jesus wants us to know something, and that has everything to do with limited exposure, limited time, right? There's a point where he tells his disciples in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 11. And he also mentioned it here, back in the first verse that Daniel just read, as he asked them the question, he said to them, how long must I be here? Right. And I don't know if many people catch that, but I think is an important point here. And he says, bring the boy to me again. He says, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? And that's kind of how it is with our parents. It gets to a point where there's an expectation of growth. Of improvement, of picking up the habit that they're trying to instill in you. 
you can't stay in that one spot. You have to show that you're improving, right? And to me, when you show improvement, it shows that you're grasping what is being taught to you. And I think that's the most important thing here. Now, it says, this is the most important thing that it says. Now, Jesus wants us to know something, and that has everything to do, again, with the limited exposure, the limited time. And this is what he tells his disciples. Matthew 26, 11, he says, The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Again, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me, right? Mm. So, which has a lot to do with the narrative that Jesus wasn't going to be on earth long. As I mentioned, his ministry only lasted three to three and a half years. He obviously would reappear after the crucifixion, but he's making an important point that all he was teaching was geared to get people to have true love for one another, to treat others with love, again, is the most important thing, right? In the Gospel of John, he says in chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. Right. So the example set here in this example was set so that it created a new way to be a new way to forge a new perspective. Right. Jesus was also foreshadowing the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, verse 11. And it says. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open handed towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land right now. So the biblical response to poverty is open handedness to be sure the persistence of poverty is not a reason to ignore the plight of the poor, but to draw near to them with generosity. This verse in Deuteronomy makes that clear. Jesus was saying, because the poor will always be with us. Therefore we should be more generous. Be, be there for them. Right? So let's be clear here. I am not saying you won't have God on your side. He will be there with you in spirit. He will be he will back you every step of the way. But a good teacher wants to see how you plan, how to apply what you've learned. Right? Jesus says in Luke 6:40, students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. We are fully trained to be a force for the kingdom. Okay, mm. so in regards to a worldly example, it's okay to come home and visit and see your mommy, daddy, and it's okay to ask for help every now and then, but you are expected to make something out of yourself. Go out into the world, represent God, represent your family, and do it in a well and respectful manner. That is what I want you to get out of this. When Jesus came and he healed, he healed the individuals, take that opportunity to do something with yourself positively. And I just want to mention something else too. Jesus makes it clear that his going allowed the Holy Spirit to come and assist you. 
So when you read the scriptures and your eyes don't depart from the scriptures, it gives you an opportunity to get assistance from God. You hear God's voice through the scriptures. And every time you read the scriptures, it reminds you in the instance that you're dealing with things like we mentioned earlier. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. The more and more you fill yourself up with the scriptures, the more and more you learn to respond to people in the right manner. Not with confrontation, but in the right manner to phage off the competition. Jesus came and he forged a new way, a new mentality, right? And like Paul said, we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what the scriptures. Okay. So obviously we are going to continue with the devotion today. Last week we prayed and we were hoping that there were people that took action. Now, again, whatever way is possible helps. Whatever way is possible helps. No one's asking you to go out your way, but whatever you can do, I'm sure people appreciate it and they will accept it, right? They accept it. Okay, so here's the devotion for today. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about being able to stand on your own two feet with what you were taught and to be able to study yourself approved so that you can be a working force in the kingdom. What we need to understand is that we need to know where the true battle is, right? Where is the true battle? So I'm going to take you to James chapter four, verse one. And it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? See, the inner life of a man is who he really is, or the inner life of a woman to be transparent. And that comes out of the book of Proverbs chapter 23, verse seven. It says, put it this way, for as he or she thinks in his or her heart, so is he or her, or her. Let me say that again. For as he or she thinks in his or her heart, so is he or her. The heart determines everything you do and say, since it contains your value system. Solomon warned you above all else to guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it, right? And that comes from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Scripture promises that a man's or woman's inner life will always come out. A good man or a good woman brings good things out of the good that's stored up in his or her heart. An evil man or woman brings evil things stored out of his or her heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So when you're experiencing conflict with others, you may be allowing the turmoil of your heart to express itself. Other people may not be the problem. You may be engaging in the wrong battle. The real battle is saying no to your desires and wants and humbling yourself to serve. So this is how we end. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, help me store good things for your word in my heart. Fill my heart with your love so that what I do and say will reflect your presence. I pray that I acknowledge what the true battle is. It all begins in the mind. And however I win, 
it helps me fend off the actions that I will perform. The battle begins in the mind. And I hope that by putting your word in my mind that I won't sin against you, but that I'll become stronger and stronger to think positive thoughts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.